0: Hey, Welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir. And I think today you're going to love Tim Jankovic, the head coach at SMU, who has been there for two incredible years. I mean, what he has done at SMU since he took over for Larry Brown has been absolutely phenomenal. He's been a long time head coach, uh, He's worked under some of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball. I think you're going to love it. After this break, we're going to come back and talk to Tim Jankovic. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software. Fast Draw. Fast Draw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastCout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team, and 85% of Division I college teams are We're with our guest Tim Jankovic, the head coach of SMU. And Tim, the last time that you spoke at Coaching you, you came and spoke in a suit. God, you look great. <laughs> you look fabulous, man. You're the best dressed clinician we've ever had in ten years, and about twenty-five clinics at Coaching you So I gotta get you an award for that. But today um, I hope you're in your practice shorts and a t-shirt as we're doing this podcast.
1: I'm not, well, first of all, I'm not going to tell you what I'm wearing. You know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going there because uh, it is. You know, we have no video here, so no, no. I, I could say anything. And yeah, and I uh, I am waiting for the trophy for the best dressed. I've <laughs> kind of been waiting by the mailbox, and uh, you know, I just wanted to separate. You know, you got to separate yourself somehow. And uh, I, I felt like. A nice suit might, you know, might get the job done it, it there. Did, but.
0: It did. It was actually, it was, a, it was a, you might have actually qualified that day to be the best dressed American Athletic Conference coach, you know. Oh, I, wow. I, I think, I wow. think it was a separator, you know. So I'm
1: so proud. <laughs> so,
0: so two years ago, uh, this summer, July, you're up at Peach Jam. You're busting your ass recruiting and everything, and all of a sudden, you find out about the third day or so there that you're now going to become a job that had been promised to you as coach and waiting, but now the head coach of SMU. Even though, you know, you said at the time you weren't, ex- you know, uh, expecting that to happen at that point, and of course you had been a longtime head coach. Are you ever really ready for that to happen?
1: Well, that's a that's a that's a great question, and it was uh, you know the whole the whole situation was so unique. Um, I guess there probably have been coach and waiting situations mm-hmm. uh, before, but I'm not really that familiar with them. And and uh, you know I think it's mostly unique in there where there was no timeline, so you never knew. When that might happen, and then at the same time, you know, I grew very close to Coach Brown, and so there's a there's a bittersweetness too, you know, involved in it. It's not just oh wow, this is so great for me, you know. You you you, you have compassion for everyone involved, and so it was a uh, it was just a very very unique situation and a lot of emotions, and you know, as you mentioned, the timing was. You know, very unexpected, and and also at a at a time when you normally you, you normally don't take a basketball college job in July. You know, it just doesn't <laughs> happen that way. But it did, and uh, you know, things worked out great here, and and uh, so we just kind of march on.
0: How how about the you know? I, I'm not sure how many coaches have ever had a first year as a head coach at a program. That's successful. I mean, you know, you, most guys are really, you know, you, you come into a new program, you're taking over because maybe the guy got fired because he didn't win games and stuff. You guys were the opposite. You were a very successful program. You had a lot of good players back. But even, and even though that you were very familiar with the guys and they were with you, uh, it was almost like a dream start to a job.
1: Oh, it really—it really was, and uh, certainly was not expecting. I mean, you always have high expectations and hopes and confidence and all that, but but you know, I have to say that that team exceeded probably all of those. Um, You know, partly too, we just lost uh, an All American, two-time All American point guard, and so we were without a point guard per se and because of our probation, we had limited numbers. Um, you know, we, we started the season really with, with nine, with nine scholarship players eligible, if I recall. And then, uh, we got down to seven and, and that was around early December. We only had seven scholarship players for the rest of the year. And we, uh, I remember late November. I mean, we, we at halftime we were down by about forty points, it felt like playing terrible. And I it was the low point of the season and I thought, my gosh, I just you know, I thought we'd be a lot better and and uh, so we lost that game. We came back and lost, and then from that point on we only lost one game until mid March. The whole rest <laughs> of the year. Uh, we kind of tweaked the offense, changed the way we played, and then everything just completely came together including the fact that no one ever got hurt uh, and and we could not afford an injury. And somehow miraculously we didn't have it. And we ended up winning 30 games.
0: You know, you've coached under a lot of incredible coaches. We'll talk about them uh, a little later, but when now and, and Larry having worked with him, coach Brown uh, is a phenomenal coach, a genius really. And on both sides of the ball, but now, and you had been an experienced head coach, but now when you get, uh, your your job at SMU, uh, with prob- even though you had good teams, at Illinois State was this the most talented you had probably.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. So for
0: sure. so what what did you, what defined it to put your own identity and stamp on it as far as style of play? You had limited number of players, etc. Had had you go about deciding what to do? Well,
1: I've uh, you know I've always just believed and I bought in a long time ago that you have to be yourself and you have to follow your own heart and head. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, I've always tried to take something a lot. I've tried to take a lot from all the great coaches that I worked for as I grew up in this profession. But still, uh, I just, I don't know, I just have a a strong sense that you you need to just do what your instincts tell you and not try to copy someone else all the time so really I've always kind of been that way I've also probably to a fault I love the creative side of the game it's it's infinite and you can all there's there's a million other ways you can do something a a billion a trillion and Mm -hmm. and it's so easy for us all to just say well you know this is well just copy this and I've never liked to do that. I've always liked to try to make it up on my own. And and I can tell you that at times that was a mistake because when something is untested, you know, there's a bigger risk. At the same time, you know, uh, new ideas can sometimes really work. And I just love the creative side. And and by no means do I mean that every time I think of something, it's good because it's not. But I do like that, and that's uh, that's part of the fun of the job.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know one of the things that um, the best, many of the best guys do um, is we kind of constantly we never steal in our league; we just borrow, and uh, (laughs) right, and right, and and you know when you just see people doing some neat things, and then like you said, you tweak it to fit your team and talent. And your philosophy, then I think it, it, it's it's kind of like neat because then it it even maximizes that concept even more. And uh, I used to tell guys that, you know, I remember when I was in the NBA and every time that I played, uh, you know, Doug Collins, when we played against him, Chuck and I would always, or Fratello and I, we would always run one of Doug's plays right back at him, first play of the game. And he'd say, what are you doing? And I said, we liked <laughs> like the idea. But it was more to have fun with it and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I just always felt that, you know, the players get excited. It's almost, uh, from an academic standpoint, like if you keep teaching them, they want to keep learning. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we did was every week of the NBA season, which is like 28 weeks, we, every Monday we would teach them a new play just so that they wow. could keep moving on. People say, it's ridiculous, but you know what? They loved it because we were forcing them to learn and they weren't getting stale. Yes. And I, and I think, it, yes. you know, it's a, it's a fresh thing. And I know Eric Musselman was with us, you know, at, in Orlando. And he now does the same thing. And my man Johnny Jones was out there with him this year, and he says, "Man, Musk wants to keep teaching new stuff all the time." And it it was overwhelming for him to see, you know. And I, I right. think, you know, and I think that. But that's that. Eric knows that that keeps players' attention and stuff like that. I, well, by I,
1: accident, by accident. Uh, so whether this is really good or really bad, so many years. Of of the seasons that I've been a head coach, um, come about mid December, give or take. Maybe it's maybe it's late December. Uh, a lot of years, I've I've just had a feeling that I don't like exactly the direction we're going. I think this team is it, the, the offensive things we're doing are not perfect for this team and so we've had a lot of years including two years ago is one of the things that really helped us to just kind of change the boat you know kind of move change the direction How about that? and and kind of put in a new offense and and to, that, that I felt like fit the players and so you know you could argue well that is great on one hand you could argue that maybe I need to figure it out sooner every year <laughs> you know maybe, maybe I need to start better but I think it's hard to sometimes see it until you start playing games and then you watch how you're being scouted and you see, you know, that maybe maybe there's some things that they can take advantage of and then you gotta put your players in a better position. I'm not a of the belief plus it's boring to me to have just this is our system and it's what we do every year and this is by gosh what we're gonna do. A, I think that would be really boring to me, but but more importantly, unless you can just Almost select players for your system. You know, I think as coaches, we've got to figure out the best system that fits the players that we have in a given year.
0: Hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. You know that uh, December exam schedule uh, is a really good time. You know to put in some new stuff. Some schools have seven. Some have as many as thirteen days of you know no games or one game in that in that time and i think it's a neat time to <laughs> while they're doing their academics to put in some new stuff for them you know, totally agree
1: Ten, even even more than that when you know let's say our school if i remember we get out around the 10th of december 12th whatever finals are done and now they are no, no school and, wow. and now their minds i'm are transferring so i'm transferring to smu Yeah, Come on. It's a great school. I'll start this. I'll start the spiel. Right. But, but, uh, you know, now their, their minds are fresh, you know, they're not in school and we have a lot more practice time. So that's usually when we've really made big adjustments and, you know, decided, Hey, let's, let's either tweak strongly or let's make some real changes that we think will help. And, and, uh, again, for good or for bad, that's uh, that's happened with with my teams a, a lot, a lot maybe maybe more than it should, but it's usually worked for us.
0: You know, I, I talked to uh, this summer. I talked to uh, a coach that's not far from you in a different conference that uh, said to me he was expressing some of the frustrations of the college game right now, and he said, "Brendan, we've practiced. I've had my guys working out forty seven of the fifty two weeks this year." Wow. Wow. He said, what the hell is wrong with our right. thing? And yeah. and I'm really scared about, you know, overtraining, uh, yeah. getting our guys hurt, uh, boring the daylights out of them, <laughs> uh, right. you know, and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and then there's a Mark Few and Gonzaga who says, we're doing nothing in the summer. Right. I'm fishing, wow. I'm fishing, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know?
1: yeah, probably because he loves to fish. That's so. what I'm
0: saying, probably that, you know. But, uh, you know, and, and Bobby McKillop at Davidson, a great coach, he doesn't have summer school at Davidson. They're wow. a very small school. So he has no summer school, so he doesn't have even as guys on campus. So in the NBA, if you're the Mavericks, your team locally, uh, they don't make the playoffs, so carlisle and those guys can't really illegally touch their players from april 12th legally till they start training camp in the end of september wow yeah wow yeah wow. isn't that something uh, because the union rules and uh, a player can voluntarily come in for a workout etc but you can't make them uh, Right. and and there, i think there's some you know we know the guys are going to work out and stuff like that but i'm i'm concerned about I'm concerned also about the coaches, you know, working all that time on that. And I know it's our job, but there's so many functions of a college coach of what you have to do. Uh, And, you know, getting your team ready is probably the most fun. But, you know, when you finish playing in March and then in beginning of April, you're after the final four, you're starting to work with your guys for the following season. It seems a little much sometimes. Any no
1: question. And I, and I think we all have to be, well, it's, it's honestly probably as a staff, what we talk about the most, if we actually charted what we talk about, one of the things we talk about the most is how much and how hard, you know, how much, how often, how hard, like, mm. you know, during the season, we're always analyzing that day. Like how, how long should we practice? How hard should we go today? Um, Cause it's easy just to just, you know, take a mindset, Hey, we're going to go really hard every day, all the time. And, and I don't subscribe to that because as you say, you can overtrain and, uh, you can burn them out and you know, they are human, you know, more is not necessarily better and yet completely less is not better either. And we we're always trying to find that line, which is, it's, it's hard to know that, The truth, you know, it's just a feel, and you just do the best you can. But, but you're right. You know, the college, we we certainly should not complain that we're not having enough time with our players. We 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 have plenty of time with our players now. Yes, and I think we have to be careful that we don't go overboard on that. You know, I really do. I think that's important. At the same time, I'm we we have a our philosophy here is to spend more time and energy on individual improvement than we do team improvement my thought is if our players are better our team's better so so a lot of times when it is individual improvement you're not beating them up as much as when you're playing live all the time and you know getting in a stance and trying to stop somebody and get rebounds and all that so we we try to really emphasize the individual improvement side of things most of the
0: time the real benefit of the individual work i think tim also is something brad stevens told me uh, years ago at coaching you it was the year that we were putting into college to two hours in the summertime after not being able to touch them at all yeah and i said brad what are you going to do because we were actually doing coaching you in indianapolis that uh year and he said um i'm going to work with every one of our freshmen individually, I said, you? he said, yeah. I said, why? He said, because I want those kids to call home at night and, and their parents say, Hey, how's it going? Coach Stevens worked with me for a half hour today and the kid's okay. going to be so pumped, you know, and he knew exactly what he was doing. I mean, it was after they went to the final four a couple of times and, and you know what? It's about, developing a relationship with, you know, you, the head coach and a young kid. Now, all of a sudden that relationship, all of a sudden is far more important than any team drills you're putting them through.
1: Well, he, uh, (laughs) he does know what he's doing. He's, uh, amazingly bright and ahead of the curve. And and I have to say, I was just talking about him yesterday to somebody that, that there's a lot of coaches that. And a lot of people that have done incredibly amazing things in my lifetime that I really look up to, and you know, you, you envy. But I don't know that any of them top the fact that he took two teams to the Final Four at Butler back to back, including losing Haywood in one of them. I, that that's just mind-boggling to me. So,
0: and they were in I, the Horizon Conference they weren't like now they're in the big east you know with a little bit of a budget you know
1: i mean it's really it's a bad movie really (laughs) i mean if you saw the movie you'd be like oh this never happened you know this is so far-fetched and anytime something's that far-fetched and real somebody's doing amazing things so i'm i'm in awe of what he did there
0: i wanted to announce a new partnership between coaching you and inner zone sports you know i for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Innerzone came to me at coaching you and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what InnerZone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of InnerZone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to com slash InnerZone. That's inner Z-O-N-E. I watch a lot of your games, and one of the things I saw actually your team, probably in my opinion, probably play its best game of the year this year at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. And you had a healthy squad, pretty much. I think that.
1: Well, we well, Jaree Foster got hurt in the first four but, minutes. But you're we absolutely right. Healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And Shake, you know, you know, those guys were absolutely incredible and and to go into you know shocker land and win that game uh you know was you know that had not b- been done too often and uh that had to be a fun night
1: oh it was it was terrific you know and we we had an outstanding team uh, this season we really did coming off of last season uh we we were more shorthanded numbers wise but well i no i shouldn't say that we we were basically tied but <laughs> but um but you're right, that was a terrific night, and we felt like, uh, you know, at that time, we were obviously playing our best, we were in a great position, we had three top 15 wins already, and this was late uh, January, somewhere around the 25th or 4th of January, if I remember right. So we were in a great position, but, you know, th- it was uh, not all good that night, as I mentioned, Dre, uh Yeah. Tore his ACL in the first five minutes, and yep. then, and then the next game, uh, Shake broke his broke his finger, and that was the end of both of them for the whole year. And that was late January, so it was. And then we had more injuries. I won't get into that, but but that was just ironically, you know, our our, our best game also was the beginning of the end in terms of that? what would happen, you know, injury wise.
0: Talk. Let's talk about some of the incredible people that you've learned from and grew up. You know, first of all, you know, you're a hell of a player, you know, at Kansas State on a really a big time winning program. But one of the first coaches that I actually uh, studied as a, you know, when I'm trying to come up through a thing was Jack Hartman. I just loved his teams were really good. They were in, He had great guards and I'd love to watch them play and love the style of play they had. Tell me what Jack Hartman was like.
1: Well, he was, he was amazing. Uh, he was an amazing coach. He was actually national coach of the year. One of the years that, that I played there and he was national coach of the year. Some other times he was, he was almost our Olympic coach one year. And, and so, you know, people, as you mentioned at that time, they, they put him very, very high on the national coaching ladder. He was, uh, he was old school now. He, he Mm -hmm. was, uh, (laughs) I mean, you know, kind of the coach Knight mold. Uh, he cracked the whip every day, and the whip never stopped. And it was uh, he was had an intimidating presence, Ooh. and he was very controlling. Uh, not like his personality when you when you see him interviewed or whatever. He's very much different in practice. But what he was is he was amazing at getting a team to do exactly what it was he wanted them to do, and play with incredible discipline uh, he gave me the foundation. Honestly, he was a great teacher and I learned so much of the base of the game. He played for Mr. Iba. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, basically I was learning at that time, just, you know, some of the highest level thinking basketball there was, you know, for Mr. Iba on down and you know what he did. And so that, that was coach Hartman. He, I think he coached much like Mr. Iba. He was very tough and very disciplined, but a great teacher, And, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we had great teams and, and, uh, a lot of success and, you know, obviously in large part because of, of the way he taught us.
0: I, I remember, you know, in speaking before to you, uh, I got a chance to, you know, watch him at Colorado state, but Boyd Grant, you know, Boyd, I know is one of the people that had great influence over you.
1: Oh my gosh. He, you know, I was, uh, coach Grant gave me my first, uh, full-time assistant job where i'm coaching recruiting you know at what everybody's mm-hmm. dreaming of when you get in this profession and and uh ironically we had played fresno state when, when i was playing at kansas state and uh the real irony is i had by a hundred times the worst game i've ever played in my entire life against his <laughs> team and uh somehow he he, uh, he must have forgot because he hired me <laughs> but but uh he was he was incredible he he was absolutely he, he's the greatest he, he should be talked about so much more than he is people that played against him and know him they know that but unfortunately you know he was at fresno and colorado state and sometimes it gets a little over no a lot overlooked but he was a he was amazing he i always felt like he was one of those few rare guys that it didn't matter which team he was coaching, you know, this one or the other one, you know, he'll take either team and he'll win. I, we, we beat teams that with so much talent and I thought he was a, I thought he was a genius really. And, and, uh, just, just incredible person, incredible coach. He should be recognized a thousand times more than he is. Wow.
0: In my I remember watching him, um, uh- I don't know if I was scouting or just watching a game and I remember watching and all I remember is the great sets, offensive man-to-man sets he ran. I, and I, I said, God, what patterns and w- what precision that they cut with. And and I said, this is neat stuff. And, and, and oh, it's great seen that you it.
1: remember that because people had, you know, his reputation was defense because he was an incredible defensive coach and he mm-hmm originated kind of the one one three zone, the extended zone that a lot of people still play. Love it. But yeah. But what I didn't realize going there was he's also a genius on the offensive end and he controlled the game through offense. He really did. He can totally controlled it. He knew how to work the clock like crazy. He, as you mentioned, these patterns. Very patterned, but yeah. but very creative. And he would just, you know, he would just get the ball to who he wanted, when he wanted, and he controlled the game. He, he was a master, really. And and his practices were so well thought out. And he, he was, I'm telling you, he, he if he'd have ever coached in a program that got high level talent, you know. It's, I, I bet he would have won a national championship. I wow, bet he would have.
0: That's amazing, huh? Eddie Sutton, I know, uh, you know, obviously people think and know he's one of the great coaches. Uh, what, what in particular did you learn from Coach Sutton?
1: Well, you know, uh, fortunately, um, one thing that was really made, made my transitions easy is a lot of people that I worked for, had Mr. Iba ties. Coach Sutton had also played for Mr. Iba. So his philosophy was very similar to what I had experienced as a player with coach Hartman. So that, that made it an easy transition, but, but, but coach, coach Sutton was, was a master as well. I mean, uh, he, his, what I've took most, I mean, I could go on for hours on what an amazing coach he was, but he was, a couple of things. He, he was just very patiently persistent. He had amazing patience, you know, Bill self and I worked on the staff together there and we were wow. Wow. freaking out one year because things weren't going well. And coach was so like, it's going to come together. And we're like, no, it's not. And we got to change the whole thing, you know? this is... And he said, no, we're going to be good. And sure enough, we, we, we got great. And it was his just every day, just believing in what he was teaching. Very methodical. Um, patient. Uh, I loved his demeanor. Um, and, and, and I also took from him that, you know, you could just be, you could be patient, you could be kind, you could be, uh, you know, he was, he was just the the way he treated everyone was amazing and he was very humble. And yet, you know, you've seen the success he's had. He's won eight or 900 games and he's, he's taken, every single program to the final four. And, and, and he was incredible. I I, I loved working for him.
0: Yeah. Kevin Stallings, uh, you know, who, you know, when he was at Vandy, I, I I thought the guy again, you know, a hell of a coach, you know, but a genius, you know, and he used several different styles of play, you know, and I thought the guy really was unbelievably creative offensively.
1: That's that's right. You're, 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 you are paying a lot of attention. I could tell you because, Kevin is a guy that, uh, he, he was a, a, an outstanding, uh, player by feel, you know, he was a guy that was in the gym all his life. So the game is definitely inside of him. And because of that, he's, he's so creative, uh, particularly offensive creativity. And, uh, you're right. He, he could, he could play any style, you know, offense, make up great plays. He had just a real quick mind that way. And, and, uh, you know year to year he may completely change his system and uh, he's you know you talk to guys that played against him all those years in the SEC and pretty much almost every one of them will say, my gosh we you know we just he was the hardest one to guard because he was so creative
0: uh, uh, Bill self, uh, I know you're close to bill uh, what what what's Bill's strengths
1: well bill you know <laughs> when I worked with Bill years ago with Coach Sutton, we were both just young assistants, you know, very young. But honestly I could just tell in working with him, even for a short time, that that he's just he's really gifted. He's gifted with people. He just has a a way with people and and I could see that. Obviously he 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 knew the game very well. He was a very good player. You know, he played Oklahoma State and and uh, so, so he had the game as well, the feel, but, but, but his one of the separating things is just his people skills are beyond almost anyone you'll ever meet. So, when when we did work together again, uh, starting out at Illinois and then at Kansas, all those years, so I got to see you know him up front row as a head coach, and and what I could always felt like I always told people that would ask the same question is like, if, if you're a, if you're a head coach, you know, a head college coach, there's a bunch of, bunch of boxes that you have to check. You know, you have to be a good recruiter and you have to be good, uh, you know, with the media and you have to be a good basketball coach and, and you have to be, you know, all these hats that you have to wear. And I would give bill an an a plus in every single one of them you know like my gosh where's your weakness you know where's where's the weakness and so that's to me why he has had the success he's had because he's great in every area i mean really i He's not, like,
0: mediocre in any area. Could you see that when you were working with him as an assistant? Like, was it evident to you? Like, you know, sometimes you can see a player's going to be good, like, you know, when they're younger, you know, and then they turn into a star, you know. And Could could you see that working side by side with him? I
1: could feel that he was going to be great, but I didn't know. I couldn't, you know, because when you're an assistant, you don't have all the role. You're not given the roles to sh- completely show it. Yeah. But yeah. yes, I, I really mean it. I had a sense that he was going to be great. Now, I didn't I did not expect him to be maybe as great as he's like turned that. out. Yeah, but I did. I did have that feeling. And I told people like he's. He's different. He's gonna. He's gonna be. He's gonna be having one heck
0: of a career. When, yes. he, when he was at Illinois, and uh, you know, a hell of a job there. You know, and then when he, you know, when I guess he took when Roy went to Carolina, he came in, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. So,
0: so like he takes the move, and I'm saying, boy, that's a tough job to fill. You know, Roy's, you know, take Roy's job, man. That that's gonna be tough. And my God, who could have? Ever dreamt, including the folks at Kansas. I mean, that the guy would do something that no one has ever seen, including Coach. Wooden, not you know, winning yes. fourteen championship, conference championships in a great conference.
1: No, I, I was uh, with him, you know, at Illinois when, yeah, when the whole decision when came down, and and I can tell you, uh, spent hours with him and watched the torture. And I think people, I don't think the public doesn't understand that, you know, they just went, well, he'll take a job or he'll just leave. And I don't think they understand a lot of times how much a coach is tortured by those kind of decisions because he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave the team. He didn't want to leave Illinois. You know, he loved it there. Everything was fantastic. And yet you have this other opportunity, which. You know who who wouldn't want to be the coach at Kansas, right? So, right. Uh, at the same time, who wants to follow Roy Williams at Kansas? Right. <laughs> so you're you're toy tortured with all of those things, and uh, you know I I watched it, and it, it was uh, it was a good learning experience to see, you know these things are these things are a lot tougher. But I also, to your point, I don't think he gets enough credit for for we live in an era now when you know we start in in july trying to figure out who's going to be in the ncaa tournaments (laughs) all the media wants to talk about right which is fine and it's great for publicity but you know if you're in this profession if you're a coach or you're a player you you know that heck getting hot in march there there's a there's some luck and you know it it it's not even really a national champion, in my opinion. It's the national tournament champion, the guy that got hot at the right time. But sure. when you win a conference, when you go over 18 games or whatever, the grind and the difficulty and the preparation and the travel and the injuries and the illness, and you win the conference, that's an amazing feat that that, that used to be really valued, mainly because that team, that team went to the NCAA back in the day. Well, now it's it's kind of not valued as much, which is very sad to me. And I don't think Bill's getting enough credit for doing one of the most, almost impossible things. I, I mean, you cannot win the Big 12, 13 or 14 or 12 or 10 years, you just can't. You know, you there's too many great teams and there's too many things that can go wrong and somehow he's managed to do that and I think he deserves far more credit than he gets.
0: Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dishes also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of coaching you for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to DrDishBasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at Dr. Ball. Did you ever think now when you were, you know, you had really good success at Illinois State, did you, A, our friend Larry Brown, did you, you know, the relationship you probably had with him was probably through bill when you were at Kansas you know, with him. Cause I know they're good friends. Uh, how did that actually, all actually it
1: was, uh, you know, what I used, I was coaching at Kansas state when I was really young and coach Brown was at Kansas at that time. I was only mm. at K state for two years and, and I got to be, uh, I was, the I was the JV, you know, they had a JV team back then. And, uh, so, uh, I coached the K-State JV team. That was part of my job, which is, you know, which a bunch of walk-ons and you just play the yeah. game before the varsity. And and the and the coach uh, of the KU Junior Varsity, the head coach, was R.C. Buford. And uh, oh, his assistant was Bill Self. And so oh, we uh, I got to be really good friends with R.C. because we played each other and we'd talk all the time. We were young and ambitious. And he and I got to be really good friends. And then uh, he invited me to a retreat that coach brown was having uh it was 88 right before he went to the spurs and so that was how i you know got to spend time with the with with coach and his staff and rc and i got to be very good friends through that Uh, rc and and bill actually were roommates at it in in lawrence at that time so that's really how it all began but i can't say that you know I, i coach has always been great to me but we you know uh, I, he was more important to me than I was to him. I can tell you that for sure, <laughs> you know, so, but that was the good fortune back in the eighties that I started, you know, to have somewhat of a relationship with him.
0: Yeah. And so what intrigued you about going, leaving a head coaching job at Illinois state to come and become associate head coach, coach and waiting at SMU with Hall of Famer Larry Brown?
1: Okay. Well, so I told you about Bill and watching him be tortured. So that was, uh, you know, I, so I got <laughs> this was to your
0: live version it. of it. Yeah.
1: I got to live it. Yeah. And I literally got physically ill. I mean, it, I mean, it was just, it was the worst cause it was, uh, I, I, we, we had a team that I really felt like was a top 25 we could easily be ranked coming back. We had everyone back. Great, great team, including Nick Moore was our point guard freshman going to be a loved, sophomore. Loved him. Uh, so I, I, I thought, and I loved our team. I loved our players. I was very happy there. Uh, at the same time then, so this comes about, and Coach Brown had always been in, in my you know top two or three guys for 25 years that I've really followed and studied, uh, mm-hmm. Coach Smith being another one. I always taped Coach Smith's games at North Carolina, and I was just fascinated by how smart he was and
0: mm-hmm.
1: innovative and creative and all that. And I've always really studied coach Brown's teams. And every year I wanted to know what he was doing. And, you know, so, you know, he was someone that I always admired for years and years and years. At the same time, i had always thought SMU was one of the sleeping giants. If not, mm-hmm. I was very familiar with Dallas. I was very familiar with SMU and the, and, you know, the death penalty and all the things that took place. But I, I, I'd been feeling for years, potentially SMU could be a top 25 basketball program so when it all came together uh you know originally they were actually talking to me to be the head coach at that time wow. and then coach brown was involved and, and it just got to be this you know whirlwind and before i know it you know there's this idea can, can we put this whole thing together and when i looked at the big picture i didn't want to leave the our guys i didn't want to leave illinois state but i just felt like this was, you know, a lifetime opportunity. And so I made the decision, and it's been, it's really been amazing.
0: You know, uh, when I was at UCF, you know, we got to come and play, and uh, Matt Doherty was there and stuff. And so, you know, that was the downside of, unfortunately, of uh, SMU ball and stuff. And when Larry and you came in there, you changed style of play, but also Moody Coliseum changed what an incredible on-campus facility. Oh, I mean,
1: first of all, the campus is, as you know, is just beyond. Spectacular is the right word. I feel like every day I come here, it looks like I'm driving up to Disney World. You know, it's just amazing. <laughs> but, but they made the decision, which I think is a great one, to renovate Moody Coliseum as opposed to build a new one. And it, as, as you mentioned, they, it's, it's gorgeous. You know, it is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, we've been sold out for four and a half years as soon, as soon as the renovation was done that when the new building, it was in January of what, five years ago, I guess now. And we played Connecticut at home. That was our first game and it, it was sold out the first sellout for, I don't know how many years and it's been sold out ever since every game. And, and so not only is it a beautiful, beautiful building, but Dallas has really embraced our basketball team and it's, it's just made for an incredible home court for us.
0: Uh, I, and I loved driving in there, uh, not to play the game, but I loved driving on the campus and uh, I loved to go by the George uh, W. Bush Library, just across the street. Right. What, a, what an incredible thing to have that on your campus, huh?
1: Yeah, and it's it's literally you know it's twenty feet from our basketball office. It's 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 incredible, and
0: and then you have even, him sitting at half court intimidating the referees. That's what I was going to say.
1: Yeah. What's even more amazing <laughs> than a beautiful building and his museum, library, and you know, what's more amazing is to to be in a game and look across the court and the former president of the United States and his wife are there at almost every game. They love it.
0: And, and they absolutely love it. They're cheering like crazy, you know, and oh. and and it's such a neat thing because I can remember one of the last games ever there there was no one in the building when we when we played there, and a, and a Saturday afternoon, and and then to see what it's like now. It's one of the great on-campus atmospheres that we have in college basketball. And I think it's just, and it changes the whole university when that happens. I think you know, and just makes it so dynamic. In Highland Park, I'm not sure if there's many better places in the country to live, huh?
1: Well, I, I live here, so I'm, I'm very wow. biased, but yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it, I do it's, love, it's It's so it's special, an incredible place to, to live and go to school. And, you know, I just, it's that, that's why I came, you know, I just felt like this was a, it's, this is not like a really good place. This is an amazing place. And, and it was just too, too good to pass up.
0: Well, every now and then, uh, you know, and, and I, I wish we could say this more often that the college gets it right with the coach that they have and they got it with you and so i'm so happy for you tim and and what you've done there and uh, you know what coach brown had gotten started and uh, you know in the program that you have in a very very tough conference i have unbelievable respect for the aac it has it's a great Basketball conference, and I love my UCF football team too. So, uh, but you know, but uh, it's a, it's a fantastic conference, with great leadership from the commissioner and stuff. And uh, I I think you know SMU is going to be up there as one of the top basketball schools in the country on a yearly basis. And thanks for visiting with us today. It's incredible. I love talking to you.
1: Well, you're very kind to say all those things, and thank you very much uh, for having me on. Really appreciate
0: it. Thanks, and enjoy the rest of your summer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. all of both days. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I'll Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: Tim is one of those people. Every time I get a chance to talk to him, he's one of the great. We we probably did twenty five minutes before we started recording, and another thirty five after the fact. Uh, love love talking to Tim. He's one of the most knowledgeable coaches. One of the most down to earth human beings. He's such an talented guy, and we didn't even talk about. When this guy's an undergrad student, he's like a 3.7 student in the school of business and gets his master's in communications. The guy is an incredibly talented guy, but most importantly, you know, he's just an incredible relationship person, and uh, we love having him as a friend of uh, coaching you. Uh, Remember, our videos are going for another week and a half or so, or week of Our special price of $249 for 15 videos. Trust me, I know you do. I led you straight that this was going to be our best clinic ever. And the videos, the quality, and the content is the best we've ever had. So make sure that you get yours today. Go to 2018.coachingyou.tv. $249. Great price. Get them now. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir.